Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Adam Filer on and he's the VP of Partnerships at Minima Global. Hi Adam. Hello Daniel. How are we today? Very well, thank you. Good, good. Um, Adam, should we jump straight in because I think this is going to be quite interesting. Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yes, so I'm Head of Partnerships at Minima and Minima is a blockchain company that has managed to um, do almost the impossible by creating a um, application where everyone can run a full validating node on their mobile device. So this is bringing the power of blockchain to the people. Wow. So I mean, I'm slightly obsessed with blockchain ever since I sort of was introduced to it by a, by a guest on the podcast. Um, and I'm just, it's phenomenal what this could potentially do. But how did you end up in blockchain? Right. Well, yeah, it's a it's a, a fairly unusual path. Um, I'm a full um, professor in applied nanotechnology and uh, have been a, a CTO in a biotech company. But I joined Minima uh, last year because the company had grown to the point of becoming commercial. So they needed um, to uh, focus on uh, engagement with enterprise. And so I have joined the company to drive that um, business area, to basically engage companies uh, across a lot of industry verticals to actually find utility in, in blockchain. So, you know, we've got to this very exciting period, 10 years after um, a Bitcoin was introduced to the world, where um, we are now in a position of actually finding real utility, real use cases and real value and spreading this technology across the whole world. Must be incredibly exciting to be involved in that. So how did you sort of, you know, become a professor? Did you, obviously you went to university, talk us through your whole kind of journey to where you are. Right. Okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll start at the beginning, which is my school uh, in Cornwall. Um, and the school is called Humphrey Davy. And Humphrey Davy was a chemist and a polymath. And um, I think that really did help inspire my love for chemistry. And that has driven me up until sort of um, by the end of my academic career, um, you know. And so basically, he Humphrey Davy has fame for knowing uh, for inventing the the Davy lamp, which saved thousands of people's lives um, in the mines, in the Cornish mines. People, um, there's a lot of um, explosions when the methane gas that was um, uh, uh, um, in the in the mines exploded because of, of the candlelight they were using. So he invented this um, lamp which had a gauze around the flame and stopped the heat um, propagating into and light igniting the flames. Oh, wow. Apart from that, he did lots of other things, including um, discover electrolysis of seawater, and he has the most. Um, elements um, named are um, discovered by him. Um, he was also a poet, a fisherman, and he invented <laughs> laughing gas. So <laughs> wow! So he was a role model, and I loved I loved the discipline, um, and I continued that through to, um, into my school and then university. Um, and one of the things that Humphrey Davy did do was he worked at the Royal Institute or the Royal Institution. And one of his greatest discoveries of all wasn't a, wasn't an element. It was a person, which was Michael Faraday. And he's probably even more famous than yes. But after um, leaving school before university, I actually had the privilege of working there for six months um, doing a research project. 
So my very first sort of um, <clears throat> non-school type work was working in this institute where we were using neural networks to look at properties of minerals um, for you know, gas purification and things like that. So this was very, very early use of neural networks. And I didn't realize at the time that would be coming back to be important in my life. And equally, the study of minerals um, is something I ended up doing um, as I worked in um, a biotech company. So I was at Bristol um, University and that has a very, very strong chemistry department. And so I did a degree there. Um, and in my final year, I had a tutor who had a very good friend um, who was a director of a research institute in Australia. So I actually went to Australia to do my PhD. Oh, wow. And um, Australia is a very, I mean, it was a great place to live. Um, I lived in Adelaide and had a very uh, fun time there. But interestingly, there's a very good culture of, of uh, work hard and play hard. So um, both, you know, in the in the sort of sports arena, they're very competitive, but equally in, in, in the science that I was doing, there's a strong sort of uh, friendly rivalry between towns and between universities. So there's a very uh, sort of strong impetus of, of students to, to do well and um, be ambitious. Mm -hmm. And so I had, um, you know, good schooling and, uh, you know, good education. And then uh, was lucky enough to go to this very um, uh, interesting research institute for Ian Walk. And uh, my my PhD started off <clears throat> is sponsored by the mineral industry, as a lot of things are in Australia. And it started off as a very fundamental study of um, uh, minerals uh, useful for mining. But by the end of my PhD, it had evolved into um, the study of atomic forces um, and uh, sort of lubrication and friction. So <clears throat> I've taken the, a very uh, practical degree and turned it into quite an applied one, looking at sort of almost uh, esoteric concepts of uh, what atoms do when they interact with each other. Wow. So, yeah. So that was, that was my sort of um, uh, uh, sort of um, transition into applied research. Um, and Australia is very good at that because there's a lot of wealth in the minerals and in farming and in the in the um, sea and the you know in the forest. So mm. they um, have done a lot of good for actually combining disciplines across the science. So maths and physicists often work together and biologists and you know, social science who um, actually have these sort of uh, what you know are called applied um, sort of interface uh, disciplines where you actually have um, uh, learning from one discipline helping another and I think that's sort of been one of the theme through my career is really um, sort of uh, <clears throat> joining dots between different uh, areas of research I was going to say, it sounds very interesting is that, you know, you were heavily involved in, in these different fields within science and then to sort of be where you are now, that that's quite a journey, isn't it? So how did that develop into where you are now? Exactly. So then, so I finished my PhD and I came to Sweden um, and I worked and I went through the academic um, field. I went uh, as a, an assistant professor and then, and then a full professor um, and I transitioned from chemistry to um, pharmacy um, by moving from one university to another and 
Um, for the last eight years, I've been CTO in a biotech company, and we um, have taken um, pharmaceutical um, products to the market. Um, so the two big areas that I, I mean, I'm very proud of that um, part of my career. Mm. Um, I started when the company was five people and we had a, a research paper and a good idea. <laughs> and when I left, by the time I left, we were um, uh, about 25 people and we had um, succeeded in industrial manufacture of a purification um, media that is used in insulin production. Um, and the whole premise of the, the company was to reduce the cost of uh, producing pharmaceutical products, because this particular step in the process of making this protein drug is really, really expensive. So by reducing the cost, even by 10%, suddenly gives access of this drug to another billion people. So wow. it, it has a huge um, benefit when you can reduce the cost of manufacture. So that was one one um, area that I was working on, and then the other was actually drug formulation. So I've been very interested in uh, uh, bacteria and um, diseases associated with lung, and mm -hmm. one of the areas that I started working on was TB. So um, the um, function that we were we were producing in the in the biotech company was to basically reformulate existing drugs again as a way of making it cheaper and more accessible so rather than go through the full process of, of discovering clinical trials we were screening drugs that had some potential and then just in, through formulation improving their um their effectiveness through improving their bioavailability so i'd got to the stage in the company where we'd <clears throat> tested a number of drugs for a number of diseases and it was clear at that point that um, it, it took another skill set. I mean, I had gone from you know managing a res in a research institute, managing a lab and lots of people under me. But mm -hmm. by the time you get to clinical trials, then you do need people with that experience of taking drugs to market. So it was a basically a good time in my career to 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 pivot and to move on. So um, I I decided that I I would. Um, Minima had been um, founded in 2018, and um, as I said in the intro, it is you know a very um, exciting moment to to be working in in blockchain because we really believe we've cracked it. We have we have uh, solved the three biggest challenges in in uh, blockchain technology, um, you know scalability, security, and speed, and we are. Um, we, we've achieved this by um, allowing everyone to have a full validating um, a node on their device. It's fascinating that you've gone from from where you started to where you are. And how does that that skill set you you built help you to do and develop partnerships for Minima? Because to me, that sounds like different kinds of skill sets, but obviously it's working for you. Mm, yeah, well, that's an interesting point. I mean, I would have said last year that, you know, my main skill was um, organizing research and driving research, but I did a lot of business development in my former job without realizing it. You know, I, I um, put out, I, you know, applied for tenders for applications. I also presented in, in big, uh, large conferences and was talking to decision makers, you know, very, very high up in a in pharmaceutical company. So, a lot of that was business development. In that role, um, one of the 
one of the key features, of course, is being able to um, give a almost a layman's description of a tech of a technical um, solution. So you you know it's it's being able to almost um, you know uh, describe quite complex um, uh, 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 theory mm-hmm. into practical examples that people can understand. So that that I think is the, is the skill set that I took with me. Um, and regarding you know the, the partnerships with Minima, I mean we are now uh, really uh, ambitious with our with our reach. Um, we're looking to engage global companies with hundreds of millions of users on their in in their particular fields, and um, you know demonstrate that that Minima can can uh, solve a lot of the issues that they are having. So I can go a little bit more detail into you know, the industry verticals. But one early point to mention is that blockchain isn't right for everything. And mm. uh, just as it is um, uh, you know, very important to see when blockchain can help, we also need to be mindful that people often mistake some of the things that blockchain should and shouldn't be doing. Um, and one of those, of course, is if, if you have got a private ecosystem and you know you've just got connection between devices in in your own private network you may not need a blockchain at all the database is a thousand times faster um, and a thousand times cheaper so it's also very important from credibility perspective to really understand what the problem is you're trying to solve with blockchain and why for that particular function it's so good yeah i mean i think people are going to be really interested by this conversation if we could go into a bit more detail on the different verticals, because I think we've all heard a lot about blockchain and certainly those of us that have read into it and, and sort of started to, to grasp and understanding what it could potentially do. But hearing from someone like yourself as to which verticals it could actually be applied to would be really interesting. Yeah, exactly. So again, the um, offer of Minima is that every every person can run a full node on their device. The way we do that is um, by basically streamlining and shrinking down the information that you need to um, store to secure the chain. So instead of everyone storing an entire copy of the blockchain, in fact, all you end up need to do is just store the data that's relevant for yourself. So you store the data relevant for your coins, for your transactions, and you send messages that are just a, um, a hash of the state of the blockchain. So a lot of the focus in Minima is really for the people um, and what we can do with it. But in terms of my work, it's looking at um, these large enterprises. And um, the first one to mention is mobility. And that encompasses vehicles, cars, micro-mobility, any form of transport where there is a need to have um, security of data and efficiency of data transfer between between um, vehicles. So uh, I am living in Sweden, and uh, in the south of Sweden, there's a collective of the Swedish OEMs, um, including the likes of Volvo, Polestar, and their electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what is key to them, of course, is uh, safety and security. Safety of the passengers in the car and security of, um, the, again, the passengers, but more and more increasingly, um, data security. So as all cars are becoming electrified and as the future of cars are gonna be car, car sharing as a service, 
um, it's really important for them that the data that is transferred between their vehicles is you know um, utmost um, secure so blockchain here offers um, a solution and by having a unique node running on each vehicle you can truly have um, uh, uh, an immutable uh, transaction of truth between two devices and because Minima has successfully achieved a decentralized network, there's no single um, uh, cent, uh, point of of, um, of failure. So mm -hmm. instead of having a server that is responsible for distributing the, the data across the network, instead you have this data transmitted point to point, so node to node. Um, so that has two benefits. One is that you remove any risk of uh, of, of hacking or um, false transactions being implemented across the chain. And the mm -hmm. other is a huge um, efficiency because um, you don't have to have nodes always um, uh, communicating with the centralized server. Um, and it also brings um, efficiency of communication. So uh, this is. So it, it, it is an area in which actually blockchain uh, once got um, uh, highly promoted with the likes of um, IOTA. Um, you know, a few years ago, they were quite popular and, and a lot of people thought that they'd actually got an extremely good product. And there was quite a lot of news in combination with several of the you know, global car uh, manufacturers that were looking at using a blockchain such as IOTA for their um, transmission of data. Mm -hmm. In the end, they've now sort of ended up um, almost being forgotten, and didn't it didn't quite work their um, method of consensus. But um, you know, there was it was oh, that was an industry where it was quite quickly seen that there was a real um, uh, benefit for using blockchain technology. So, in in again, the interesting thing is this is a real IoT or machine to machine type um, interaction. Um, you know, when you've got nodes on vehicles. And you can just trust that the, by definition, the, the transmission of the data between the two vehicles is censorship resistant and gives you the, you know, the immutable time, time stamped um, truth of that interaction. Then you don't need to continually query that network and keep on looking to see if, if this data is secure. So um, one of the applications, so there are several areas in this, in, so several um, app, uh, use cases. One mm -hmm. is access control or delegated access control. So, for example, if um, you are a, uh, a, a car OEM that has a fleet of cars, um, the future will be when people no longer own their own cars, they'll simply rent a car for as a service. And mm -hmm. you would like to be able to quite easily, you know, you'd, you'd hopefully like to just simply turn up on a street use a phone as a key application and just um, get access to the nearest car that you choose. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to be able to delegate access and make sure that only the person that has the right to enter the car um, does this. So there is you know, extensive technology out there already um, using phones to unlock cars, as people know, but mm -hmm. The challenge is again this sort of um, centralized method in which this, in which the keys are generated and in which people use it. So, again, Minima has an extreme advantage because um, each person has a unique node ID. So, um, when you are generating <clears throat> a token 
which then gives you access to unlock the car um it can't be anywhere you know you you can't fake it so a token can be really thought like a physical object which it can't be in two places at once so you know you've got the security of ha of having your node id on hopefully on your person it, on your phone and then the token that was generated by this node embeds the node id so you have this extreme level of security because it, it's it, you simply can't generate a second version of that key so it's essentially going to allow us to you know as we look towards the future and we say you know cars as a service and things like that everyone gets very excited but the security implications behind it are vast aren't they and having a solution like this to be able to sort that out removes yeah. so many barriers it does it does exactly right and what's so you know exciting for us is that it is um that the general security is um uh, is propagated by every application we can find so the underlying base protocol is secured by users so by onboarding you know uh you know new different industry verticals they can piggyback on the security provided by other users mm -hmm. so in another use case we are um you know heavily involved in web3 applications nfts and and, and the likes and i can mm -hmm. a bit more explanation about that but what we're saying is that even if you've got um two very disparate um uh verticals they're still benefiting from the same value which is you know a very secure chain because if you have a million users on the network it's almost impossible to do to to underpin or undermine that um you know the security of that chain so essentially the more users you get the more secure it becomes is that right it, that's exactly right wow and the one thing i failed to mention at the beginning is that we are a power based protocol and this is really really important for us and this is one of the distinctions so uh, uh it's very topical at the moment and um, those who follow um the the, the industry will mm -hmm. know there's uh, just been an eth merge yes where ethereum has moved from a power chain to a pos chain um we are power and we believe that is absolutely essential to give security so for those who don't know the difference pause is proof of stake and power is proof of work and proof of work for us means you actually have to do something to make something valuable so you actually have to put in energy you have to do work and then you get the value added by the blockchain in the in the <clears throat> staking um scenario you're simply assuming that just because you put in money then it gives it you give something value and the trouble with staking is that as we've seen, the number of people that are staking are getting smaller and smaller. So mm. we're tending to a, a more centralized um, uh, uh, consensus mechanism. Mm. So in the past, when when everybody could could mine on their laptops and they could um, you know use small devices, then you had a very distributed system in which people could um, validate blocks. Now, of course, it's gone into the hands of a few. You have these large mining um, servers, mm. and that is becoming a centralized um, uh, system. So Minima will never become centralized. Minima will always become a de it will remain as a decentralized protocol. And importantly, um, the adding more users doesn't add any more burden to the network because everyone is responsible for just doing the work needed for their own transactions so you can onboard let's say another thousand iot devices and that will add no further burden because the work that's done to secure the chain is done at the edge of the network so we have that 
we have yeah so we have that um that principle driving minima and sure. the web3 applications are interesting i mean nfts you know they have yeah. uh, had a sort of a hype and you know some of some of the things that have started the hype of course have now dramatically lost their <laughs> value and reputation yeah but the concept of an NFT is still very important. I mean, a, literally a, an item, a digital asset that can't be replicated is um, proving to be very valuable, similar to a single access token or a ticket for entry, but equally, you know, artwork or valuable digital assets. I think the um, thing that excites me about NFTs is maybe not the real world applications, but as Web3 develops and things like the metaverse and, and such develop, to me, and I could be naive with this whole thing, but I think that is where maybe the value will start to come when we sort of jump into the metaverse a bit more and, and digital assets are used on a daily basis, maybe. Yes. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, you know, the height the hype of, of, of uh, you know, the um, monkey faces has, has uh, <laughs> you know, attracted attention, but, you know, all, all new technology goes through, you know, hype, hype um cycle so mm. even though a lot of people may just think that they are nonsense the the principle that gain um uh their favor of course as you said is is now proving that people will have real value in in the metaverse and for us again the value of everyone having a node that is equal um on the protocol means that suddenly you're in a position where you can um uh, you know, you can uh, auction your NFTs and you can sell your auction your, your NFTs just point to point. So there doesn't need to be a third part, an intermediary third party. So if you want to sell your digital asset, you can do that and uh, between two people, and no one else needs to um, come in the middle to to validate these. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot of opportunity. And as you said, I mean, as, as as we start to find commercial application in the metaverse, I mean, we're going to start seeing digital twins for everything we can we can imagine. So it will it will creep into our daily lives. That is for sure. What's your What's your take on the metaverse? Just sort of a, a sideline question here. I'm I'm fascinated by it because it does seem in some ways to be the way the world's going in the future. But I struggle to sort of visualize it or think in what applications it'd be used apart from you know i don't know I, i'm just the concept in itself you know what will the metaverse actually be what will actually be commercially viable in the metaverse what's your opinion on it mm. well i'm old enough to remember a day that this didn't exist and it still for me is um a concept which i have to almost say do we want to go down that route but mm. it is happening you know my my I have kids who are you know um, immersed in in the digital world and for them it isn't such a big transition whereas for you know for me and you know my friends we remember the days where we just went out and played in real life mm. so I think that very soon it won't it, you know it will become less of a question it will just be a um, an extension of our reality um, and it's going to get more and more immersive it's going to get more and more real you know and why wouldn't you choose to look at some you know augmented reality of of, uh, of an object if it you know helps you understand something or gives extra mm. value so 
you know, I'm I'm not resisting it, and I and I see the value, but I am also, uh, you know, slightly observing from the outside, looking at this development, thinking is all of it necessary and is all of it good. But um, you know, it is happening at a very fast pace. Um, you know, clearly, uh, a lot of um, uh, um, you know functions like shopping, um, you know, uh, sharing things. It it's it's um, accelerated and aided by by metaverse applications and equally it does um in one sense bring equality to people so um you know it does it does it does basically shrink the the um, differences between where you live and and you know your material values in different countries because you can come to metaverse and 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 have a virtually um level playing field mm. so there's a lot of there are and um, yeah I think you know I think you can um, also name a lot of um, you know commercial applications so it's it's got it's got certainly I'd say a lot more advantages and disadvantages in terms of um, commercial activities whether or not that is um, the end of uh, you know our um, evolution in terms of uh, interacting with uh, you know the, the the outside world, the material world. I don't know. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think people will be listening to this, and especially around the whole hype of the blockchain industry, for want of a better word. But people listen to it and thinking, do you know, okay, how would I even begin to get into this industry? You know, what kind of jobs are going to exist? I'm aware it's a quite an open-ended question. Um, but could you give us a few sort of thoughts on, you know, how people could begin to get into blockchain maybe? Absolutely. Um, um, yeah, and this is this is um, actually very interesting because, I mean, Minima is so um, strong because of, I, because of the diverse um uh experience and knowledge of, of the people that work there um but i mean clearly um coding is a big thing clearly um you know uh, anyone who's who's uh, interested in in coding and scripting um you know computer science and that that has still um we're still in its infancy really in terms of uh, the code in terms of protocols that are being written so that is always going to have um, good potential people have that career um, but equally, um, we is as we're now talking, it's more applications and utility and uses that um, are finding uh, traction. So, um, you know, there is a lot of marketing um, that is involved, and in a lot of social, a lot of social media um, communities are absolutely critical, of course, in building up, um, you know, uh, traction and and um, you know, sharing the types of um, developments that are taking place. Um, so a lot of a lot on social media. Um, I mean, we're particularly interested in the benefit added to artists and and uh, creative um, uh, pursuits. So um, you know, the the uh, digital art is one form, but equally you can create um, uh, you know music albums, and you can have a way of um, sharing this between your fans. So loyalty comes into this and curating your own persona um, means that basically you are very much um, free to explore and to, and to develop um, tools that you would like in your in your um, professional life so I think that um, career paths don't necessarily you know exclude you from getting involved 
And as we see, more and more applications are going to be built on Metaverse where you can you know, use skills from a completely different um, area. I mean, another, another um, interesting uh, development for us is um, looking at tokens for um, promoting uh, uh, activities such as choosing good food products. So um, a particular use case has just come uh, recently up is a is a token that will <clears throat> use global farm metrics to give the quality of food based on a number of parameters such as you know um, the distance traveled or the way it's been farmed and uh, tokenization allows people to be able to um, distinguish the quality between products and get a sort of a, a loyalty point for the for the choice of your product hmm. so you know, you can start seeing that it's going to creep into all types of um, applications. And we're doing a lot of work also with um, uh, initiatives in Africa where, um, you know, micropayments is, of course, absolutely uh, critical to be able to have a functioning um, economy. And, you know, we can gamify or we can um, add loyalties to, um, you know, particular uh, methods of farming, for example, that, that benefits everyone. So, uh, I wouldn't say that, I mean, I say now is an amazing opportunity and that you shouldn't feel that you were, you were excluded because you didn't just do computer science at school, for example. Yeah, no, great point. And then looking at your career as a whole, what's been the biggest positive for you? You know, what's been the thing you've gone, oh, I'm so glad I did that in my career? <clears throat> um, well, I think I think for me it was the uh, transition from you know fundamental research towards um, applications. I mean that has really given me the benefit when you're testing ideas by by actually trying it for real. So in my in my um, previous job, um, I worked in a research institute and we had a lot of um, uh, we had a lot of uh, contract work for um, companies such as Unilever and GSK and. Um, Procter and Gamble. So, so for example, in the in the food space or in the um, uh, you know health uh, care space, there was a lot of uh, work that we did where we took scientific concepts and then uh, translated into practical outcomes. So that um, I think has been um, you know a big uh, one of the things that I would take home as a as a positive from my career. Mm. Um, and you know now we're doing it digitally we're taking concepts and then we're saying how do you translate that into um, practical outcomes mm. and then on the flip side of that what's been the biggest challenge for your career um well i think i have always felt um the, or, well how do you put it there's one terminology which is in imposter syndrome i mean i've always mm. felt that quite done enough or I haven't quite got to that level or I pit myself against others and said oh you know maybe I'm not quite as good as they are so I think that but that has been a, a, a driving force as well you know really go that extra mile really sort of put in the work really understand do I know am I credible can I can I stand for what I um, am saying so I think uh, you know that has been a challenge just because uh, you know, through ambition and and through want to really um, continue to be, you know, the, at the um, peak of my game, uh, I felt I need to, you know, make sure that I'm always striving to learn more or understand stand better. Mm, definitely. Um. So, 
throughout your whole career, I think it's been really interesting that you've gone from, you know, being quite scientific, um, probably a way to describe this, um, research-based yeah. into the business development side. Yeah. I think, you know, out of all the podcasts we've recorded, I've never seen that mixed together. And I find that fascinating that you've been able to go from one to the other because on paper, and I think in reality, a lot of the time, it's a very different skill sets. Yeah. So it, what do you think personality-wise has helped you to do that? Um, well, I think part of business, of, you know, good business development is understanding what the customer needs. Um, and it's also being able to clearly and honestly define what the service is that you're providing. So you need to find that match. You need to be, and, and you need to be creative. You need to be resourceful. You know, you need to be able to, um, uh, you know, project what good could look like. If you are serving, you know, and understand that you might be a long way at the beginning from what they need and what you can provide, but being able to, um, you know, paint that picture of what it'll look like when it's finished. So, you know, you need to, you need that credibility. You need to be able to, as I said, um, almost put in layman terms the benefit of the product you're selling. Um, and equally, um, it's again you know, taking uh, you know lessons learned from other areas and applying it to a to a new um, application. Mm. No, great answer. And to wrap this up, would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that I have, I have, you know, pivoted my career at uh, important milestones. And I think that where I am now is um, exciting, fun and rewarding. And, um, you know, I'm very happy and I that I got to this position of where I am now. I don't, of course, think that I could have predicted that five years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that the opportunity for the benefit of this type of technology is going to, you know, add such value to us globally that it is something that I am very passionate about. Well, Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your time. Um, where can people find you and Minima? Yes, thank you very much. So um, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Adam Weiler, um, and uh, and also at Minima. So Minima is um, you can look under the website, which is minima.global. Um, we're also on Telegram and we have Discord channels. And we are currently um, going, we are just preparing for our mainnet launch. So that will happen at the beginning of next year. And as I mentioned, we've got this great user base. We currently have 300,000 users running Minima at the moment, just in testnet. So we actually have more full validating and constructing those than all other blockchains combined. Wow. So um, please, uh, if anyone's interested, do go to the Minima website, download um, the APK, which um, installs a node on your phone, and uh, let's join the movement. Brilliant. Thanks, Adam. Okay. Very nice. Thank you. Bye.